Oh, am I starting? Yeah, you're starting. <laughs> okay. <Huh. laughs> I was waiting Congrats. for you. Welcome to the Teen Life Podcast, where we believe that teenagers are not a problem to be solved. But we are here to help you equip teenagers through the power of connection. I'm Carly Duke, and actually not here with me today. We are recording remotely for the first time. Chris Roby. Uh-huh. Hey, how are you? I'm good, Chris. Good. You're all the way across the interwebs, but it feels like you're in the same room. I know. I kind of like it. It's kind of nice being home. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I didn't have to go anywhere. The power of the internet. Am I right? Yeah, I'm just waiting for my dog to creep up in the background. It will happen <laughs> eventually, just so you know. Oh, that would be cute. I can mm-hmm. appreciate that. Well, Chris, today I want to start by talking about something that once again isn't always fun, but I think needs to be talked about. And we haven't mentioned this yet on the podcast, which is dating violence, especially for teenagers. Right. This is a huge topic and one that's probably really uncomfortable for a parent or a caregiver to be having with their teenager, just like talking about sex or talking about other things just in general that are uncomfortable because you, you know, maybe you hope that your teenager isn't engaging in these behaviors, nor maybe even being in those situations where they could be. But being able to have a, an open, honest conversation with a teenager about the possibility uh, of being in situations like this, what can you do? What do you look for? What's normal? what's not. Um, it's a big conversation. Yeah, it is. And so I wanted to start by just talking about what does dating violence include, because it can include several things. I think most often we think of physical violence, Mm -hmm. which is part of it. And so that's when a person hurts or tries to hurt their partner. That could be hitting, that could be kicking, um, biting, using physical force. So physical violence, sexual violence is another part of dating violence. So that's attempting to force a partner to take part in a sex act where the partner Mm -hmm. doesn't consent or is unable to consent. Like if that's a case of drugs or alcohol, that also counts. Um, It can also include things that I don't necessarily know if teenagers think about it this way, but posting or sharing sexual pictures of a partner without their consent. Mm. Or sexting someone without their consent, if you especially maybe, I don't know, I don't have the stats on this. I would think boys would be more likely to do this than girls, but if they Mm -hmm. sent a picture without consent, that is also sexual violence. Um, Psychological aggression is also considered part of dating violence, and that's the use of verbal or nonverbal communication with the Mm -hmm. intent to harm mentally or emotionally or to just exert control, which is scary because I feel like that one's a little harder to define and maybe even pinpoint of, hey, this is what's happening because a lot of times it looks like manipulation. And then the fourth one is stalking, which is that pattern of repeated unwanted attention or contact. Sometimes it's a current or a former partner that causes fear or concern for safety, especially if it's for an individual or someone that they're close to. And so those are kind of the four pieces of dating violence. Yeah. And these are, you know, I think when, when you hear dating violence, you really think of the first two, uh, mm-hmm. primarily physical and sexual violence. But understanding um, that the psychological and the, 
the stalking side are part of the, that team dating violence is under that same umbrella and has a lot of those same effects, even if they aren't direct um, insults, so to speak, to the teenager, it's really, really important to understand. Right. And I think I feel like I've heard stories and I've heard teenagers talk about before that they might start dating someone and then suddenly they turn around and they don't have any friends hmm. because that person has isolated them or manipulated them to kind of leave family and friends behind. And then they feel like they're stuck because, well, this person is my only person now. Mm-hmm. And so just the fact that, like I said, that one's a little more subtle, but I do think it would happen with your teenagers, especially if they have someone who wants to be more controlling in a relationship. Now, you know, I'm bringing the facts, Chris, always. Yes. So teen dating violence is actually common. And I pulled data from the CDC's Youth Risk Behavior Survey among the U.S. high school students who reported dating during the 12 months before the survey, one in 12 experienced physical dating violence and one in 12 experienced sexual dating violence. Wow. So like I said, that's a lot. Yeah. And so you might think about that and be like, that doesn't seem, I don't know, it's not like a crazy amount. But it's a big enough amount that is scary if you have a teenager who's dating that one in 12. Yeah, I mean, I experiencing dating violence. Yeah, when I see that number, I I mean, it's we do look go through a lot of statistics and and in our podcast, but that to me is something you see maybe in the news or hear about in like datelines or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, doesn't seem like it's a real possibility, right? right? Um, but when I see one in 12. That's that seems a little bit more or kind of hits closer to home and um, yeah. seems like that could be more of a possibility. So yeah, like putting that in perspective, if you know 12 teenagers, one of them mm-hmm. might have experienced that. And that does put it in perspective. So are all teenagers considered equally at risk on this? No, they are not. Uh-huh. So as you could probably imagine, females are at more risk than males for mm-hmm. dating violence. And then also LGBTQ or those unsure about their gender identity are also at greater risk for dating violence. Wow. And so that's something to keep in mind. If you have a student in one of those populations, they are at more at risk. And so this is especially a conversation you need to be having. However, I also think if you have a male, it's a conversation you need to be having because it can happen to males. My guess is the data is probably not as accurate for males because they're probably not reporting it. Yeah, very underreported for sure. Yes, as much as females would. But at the same time, having conversations with all of our students to make sure that we're equipping them that they're not manipulating or controlling someone or acting out in their own dating relationship. Right, and And I think that's a a hard part of the conversation is that especially mm -hmm. with young men is... And a lot of students that we work with in group, um, especially the young men that I work with, do have legitimate impulse control issues mm-hmm. um, and anger issues and not being able to really deal with their stress or even rejection very well, right? And so I'm not saying you as the podcast listener need to assume that your, especially your male student is capable of and and inciting some kind of physical or sexual violence but also being aware hey if my child is pretty um you know pretty susceptible to you know kind of outbursts or um not being able to deal with their their stress very well or the rejection very well to be able to have those conversations like hey if you're in these situations 
um, be mindful of your emotions, mm-hmm. be mindful because sometimes you hear of, of kids who otherwise maybe wouldn't act out or do something really rash like this. This doesn't this, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't feel like this is just in the realm of these really horrible, dark kids. <laughs> I, I could right. see, I could see a kid who maybe didn't know where the line was or mm-hmm. maybe hadn't thought through what, you know, no, it's not okay to hit a woman or no, it's not okay to force yourself on, you know, any of those kinds of things. You want to assume that they would know that. Um, but having those open conversations about sexuality, about consent, we've talked about consent before on, on our podcast, um, how important those things are, because if there's not consent, then it, it then it falls into this area, especially in the eyes of the law. Definitely. So Chris, let's talk a little bit about what we can do to help. And I think the first thing, especially if we're talking about preventing, is teach safe and healthy relationship skills. Mm-hmm. And you have to model it. You have to talk about it so that if a teenager finds himself in a relationship that's not healthy, they know the difference. Right. And I think I think that especially with the nature of online relationships, it's a little bit easier to, mm-hmm. I guess, misunderstand what a healthy relationship really looks like. Because I believe here at the Teen Life Podcast, we would say that relationships aren't healthy when they're online only. Um, and you know, when a mm. kid doesn't know how to interact with another kid, inter- you know, one-on-one um, or even just in person, it can be hard to make those decisions and know what a healthy relationship looks like. And so having those conversations of what does it look like when, you know, is it is it okay for someone to ghost you? Is it, is it okay for someone to manipulate your, your emotions or to try to make you, you know, cross your boundaries, so to speak, right? right? When, you, when, they're, when that's not something that you want to do. Um, is it okay to push someone across their boundaries when it's not something they want to do? This all falls on the, under that on, under that um, umbrella of that healthy relationship. What is actually healthy um, in a relationship? Right. Another thing is to allow them to make up their own mind. This is hard, probably, as mm-hmm. especially a parent. And as an adult, you're going to have more experience. You probably feel like you have the answer, but this student knows their relationship better. Mm-hmm. And so try to guide them without telling them what to do, especially if it comes is coming from a dating violence relationship where it's psychological and they feel like there's a loss of control. If you take away their freedom as well, it might cause more harm. Right. And I think so, with that, being willing to listen and not judge or react mm-hmm. as as your student is talking to you, or even, you know, if they're talking to someone that you trust. And that information comes back to you as a parent or caregiver to be able to manage your own emotions and judgments in that whole situation. I know I can't even imagine being in that situation of my daughter or um, hearing about my son's doing something like that to be able to keep my own emotions in check and not want to act on that situation immediately. And obviously mm-hmm. there's situations that you need to act on if there's direct violence, all those kinds of things, but to be able to, to help teenagers know especially if it's in the realms of unhealthy relationship that they can solve or they can act on their own behalf um, to be able to do so without judgment as long as you're able to i also think not preventing them from seeing that partner um, if they're in an abusive relationship and once again i know this is hard but as i've kind of said forcing their hand might cause them that kind of romeo and juliet syndrome is what i'm mm-hmm. going to call it mm-hmm. where if you say you can't see them ever again that might cause them to go back to that relationship because it is forbidden and they feel like that's what they have to do. And so be mindful of that, but also make a plan to keep them safe. 
mm-hmm. while maintaining that freedom. So that might, I, I'm not in the situation that you're in, but if you have a student who's in an abusive relationship, maybe thinking about you can see them at our home if you're out in the open or let's have a conversation and we're all going to sit down together. I'm not going to let you be one-on-one alone with them anymore. Mm-hmm. Different things like that. So you don't just like straight up cut it off, but mm-hmm. have conversations and have a plan for how to keep them safe. Absolutely. We uh, also recommend that you don't post info on social media. Um, this kind of is a given, I would think. Um, mm-hmm. But an abusive partner could find them or know if you aren't home through social media. And so just really trying to stay, especially if it's a, if it's a really serious uh, situation, mm-hmm. to obviously not call them out, but also just not really post a lot of this real personal, here's what we're up to and we're we're not home or we're doing this or we're doing that. What it looks like just if, if, if you do need to keep some distance between this person and your, and your child or your, uh, you know, a, a kid that you're working with, um, just to make sure you can not, you know, maintain their privacy and their am- anonymity while things kind of cool off or especially if there's, if this involves uh, authorities or people beyond um, that, this abusive person doesn't really have access to um, this teenager. Right. And finally, abusive situations can be really complicated. And mm-hmm. we know that. Um, continue to give love and support. Get them the resources and the help that they need. There are lots and lots of resources. I will post some in the show notes if you want to kind of know where to start. But get them the help that they need. And as we kind of said before, have conversations ahead of time and make allies of your students. So especially for your boys, but for all genders, all at risk populations, like let's have conversations ahead of time of here's some things to be looking for. Here's how you can be in a healthy relationship and continue to encourage your student to find healthy relationships to be in even as a teenager. And one of the things I'll, uh, I'll end on here as we, before we move on to our trend is in the and our teen life support groups, one of the things that we train our people on is we have this whole section on intuition. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces of intuition that we talk about is discernment of their situation. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we're listening to a teenager, whether the teenager in a situation like this or there's any situation at all, we value how they see it, mm-hmm. even if it isn't true. As strange as that sounds, when anytime I've dealt with a situation like this, whether it's a teenager or it's even a peer. The The situation is so difficult that oftentimes the one that I'm counseling or maybe more even on the side of or supporting, I know isn't always telling me the truth. Yeah. Or they're not able to see the truth because of the extreme stress and difficulty of that. And so I have a decision as a helper to just call them a liar and say, tell me the truth, mm. which obviously there's a time for that if it really gets to be, but there are, there is value in how they see it. Even mm. if it's not completely accurate, they might not know that it's not completely accurate. They might be in such self-protective mode that they're grasping at anything, especially in those really acute times. And so I'm not saying we should accept um, dishonesty, um, from our kids or from our, for anyone we work with, nor, you know, our peers, but also understand that sometimes in the, in the heightened stress of a situation like this, 
just knowing how do they see it. And maybe that's a place to start. And maybe that's a place we can start asking more to really get down to what is actually happening so we can be the best help for that teenager. Because you are listening to this podcast, we can assume a couple of things. One, that you have great taste. And two, that you care about teenagers. That is why we are so excited to introduce you to our sponsor, Lubbock Christian University. Whether you or your teen are interested in furthering your education in youth ministry, LCU is the perfect place to start. Contact our friend David Fraze to find out more about LCU and life and ministry to young people at david.fraze at lcu.edu. And don't forget, go Chaps! So for the trend this week, Chris, I want to talk about reels on Mm -hmm. Instagram and maybe this is unfair. I probably know a little bit more about reels than you. So unfair and true. (laughs) As we get talking, let me know if you have any questions. But I think the main thing I wanted to talk about is I think people look at reels and go, well, isn't it just TikTok on Instagram? And it's very similar. However, I do think that there's a difference. And honestly, TikTok often has the trending things and then they come to Instagram maybe two weeks later. Okay, so that's what I've seen. And I was really Mm -hmm. confused about that because like, why do I want like second run run TikTok (laughs) on Instagram? You know, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because a lot of times that will come through Facebook too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Those reels, you'll see those kind of in your timelines now, but that I think that originates from Instagram for the most part? That's a really good question. Boy, I stumped you. You did. I don't know if you can, I don't think you can create reels in Facebook. I think it's just an Instagram thing that you can pull over. Our social media savvy parents are throwing their phones against the dashboard right now because they know the answer to this and they're probably, how about I'll look it up and I'll mention it in another (laughs) podcast episode. Yeah. And I think Reels for a while, people were like, that's for influencers. That's for these big companies who are trying to get seen. People who like to dance, that's not for me. However, what I'm finding, and if you're listening, you might be thinking the same thing. My engagement on my normal post has gone down significantly Hmm. over the last few months. Like a picture that I used to post that might get, I don't know, 100 likes might now get 50. Hmm. And so engagement has gone down because visibility is going down. And that is because the algorithm and Instagram is putting more emphasis on reels. So I think people are starting to figure out if I want to be seen, if I want to show things, I have to create reels. And it's just different. It's something that, especially if you're maybe a parent going, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't want to get into that. I have a few tips for you, but it is something that I think more and more people are doing. And I think they're intimidating reels are, but when you really get into it, it doesn't take much. You don't have to dance, but you can. Good, good. I don't want to dance. (laughs) If you want to dance or do some of the, there are always trending audio where people like there'll be a sound and they'll lip sync isn't really the right thing, but they'll kind of do their mouth to it and Mm -hmm. put words up on a screen. That's one way to do it. But a lot of people are just posting videos or pictures. Hmm. And you can kind of almost make, I don't know, like a mini slideshow with your pictures to music. 
And maybe instead of doing a carousel of pictures where you're posting multiple pictures in a post, you could take those and put them to music in a reel and still get the same end result and maybe Mm -hmm. get a little more visibility if that matters to you. And it might not matter to you, but it probably matters to your teenager. Right, right. And I think then, I think obviously having that conversation with the teenager about how much they know about reels Mm -hmm. versus TikTok and they could probably tell you a lot of the same things that we're telling you, but I think um, knowing what that means is huge. Yeah. And I do, I saw a trending audio that's been, it's been for a couple months, but it's something like, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's something about like, apparently reels are popular now. And so here's a picture as a reel. And so it's just literally one picture the whole time with this audio behind it. And it's just their point of putting a picture on it, but getting mm-hmm. more visibility through a reel. And so people are realizing that this is happening. They're not super happy about it, <laughs> which is why they're doing stuff like that. One tip I have too, if you're looking at reels and you find one, especially that has pictures or video that you like, sometimes there is a use as template button on that video and you can click that and then it will put that audio in It'll have the same timing as that. And all you do is add your own videos and clips and then you're done. It's Hmm. super easy. And so you can do that as well and not have to sit there and think about timing and what that looks like. So reels are popular. I don't think they're going away anytime soon because Instagram is putting such an emphasis on it. But I don't think they need to be intimidating. I don't think it's necessarily always the same as TikTok. but they're coming. So be ready. Right. Now for our tip this week, Chris, I want you to take this one because this just recently happened to you. Yeah. So, uh, I have a middle schooler now and we talk a lot about what he sees on YouTube and, and just even the information coming in. And I will, I will be honest with you. This has been a more of an issue. And I feel like maybe you're hearing more about this having closer to kindergarten. But I feel like even my kindergartners, first graders, second graders, back when they were younger would do this where a friend would tell them something <laughs> and they would take it as if it was gospel. Mm-hmm. And it was the, and some of the things that their friends would tell them are some of the most blatantly untrue, <laughs> uh, right. uh, you know, false things and have to try to, you know, but of course as a dad, I'm having to go up against another kindergartner, right? And then they're, the kindergartner's actually right. They're obviously right, you know, but just talking through with your teenager about being a critical thinker on the things that they see and hear on social media. Uh, my son is really big into baseball and kind of, and I won't get into a lot of specifics, but, and, and it wasn't really that important but a piece of information he got from a youtube video and it and it kind of involved a, a sensitive group of people and pretty big blanket statistics that mm. might or might not have been true and it really triggered a, a thought in me of like okay well is that information true and if so how do you verify that it is true and so we started having this conversation around around youtube and around what he hears and how important it is when you hear things, especially when it involves a people group or just involves people in general, that that information could be used to hurt or to make a a group look bad. Mm. How do you vet that? And maybe even more importantly, 
what is the motivation of of those who put it out so information is big is 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 the is the economy now right i mean mm -hmm. we live in an information economy yeah but also to misinformation is a big deal and i think that i've thought about this actually i thought about this a lot about the whole idea of misinformation and there's a lot out there that people purposely put out there i think a lot of it is because everything is built upon content creation whether or not it's from the you know your major media outlets but all the way through your major YouTubers or your major TikTokers, their motivation isn't necessarily to get it right. Mm. Their motivation is to make content. And there's nothing wrong with making content, but whenever you're having to make content day after day after day to kind of keep up your algorithm, um, then how is it that you are supposed to bet everything that you say, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking to your teenagers about the information that they're receiving, how important it is to ask, okay, that's a bold claim that they made. How are they backing it up? And a lot of times the teenager might say, well, they, they said it, but is that enough? <laughs> is that enough to, uh, to be a valid source of information? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Chris and I talked about, I want to do another podcast episode, maybe on this idea that not everything is real that we're watching mm -hmm. anymore, but you're right. This misinformation that is so frustrating because people can put anything out on the internet. Often they don't care if they're right. They want to just make a splash. Mm -hmm. They want people to pay attention to what they're saying. And so they'll say anything. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've got to be intentional about raising critical thinkers who are going to ask questions. And you said this, I think, before we even recorded, Chris, that how do we have that conversation with students without making them feel like they're stupid. Right. Right. Without kind of demeaning like you've believed that that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so I, we kind of talked through some questions that we can ask of our students to help them think about that. And I think the first, one of the first things you can do is, Hey, does that person have a source? Mm -hmm. Where did they get that information? And if they say, well, they didn't, well, maybe you should look into it. Right. And I, I think that just because a person doesn't cite a source doesn't necessarily mean they are trying to mislead. Right. Maybe they did hear it from a credible, a credible source. But as mm -hmm. you know, the game of telephone, the farther mm -hmm. down it goes, the less reliable that information is. And so you might have heard something down the road, but um, if they didn't cite it or show that source of what they're saying, then that's a great follow up question is, how how would you find that information? Is it, I mean, because my guess is that YouTuber or that or that TikToker probably Google that or mm -hmm. that was Google at some point. You can you can try to find where that is and be able to find a more credible piece of information to validate that. But I also think too, understanding motivation is a really really big thing. If, if the motivation is to entertain, to create content, or to go viral, then yeah. their motivation probably isn't about getting the information right. Doesn't mean they don't want to, but that's not the driving part of it. That's not that's not that's not what's pushing them to post it on there is to make sure that the right information gets out there. If their motivation is to entertain or to go viral or to create content, it's okay to look at what they're saying with a skeptical eye to start with until you can verify is this actually true or not. I, I really think this is a good conversation, Chris, and I it's one I want to continue. So if you want to hear more about this conversation. I don't know when it's coming. I, I'm previewing that like I know exactly. I guess I do know because I'm the producer, so I can choose. 
But we encourage you to subscribe to the Teen Life Podcast so you don't miss more conversations like this. You can also follow us on social media. We post great resources there. Review us in your favorite podcast app. Or even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, that's a great way to go put a review. And mostly we hope that you share it with a friend, someone who needs to hear this, especially maybe our conversation on dating violence. If you have a friend who's worried about their student, share this conversation with them. And we are going to see you next week.